Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome along, everybody. You enjoy James Bench, Nigel Rio Coker, and Michael LaHood with you today. It's a big week of Champions League action. We are happy to break it all down for you. There's a lot of games going on this week, but first and foremost, I'm going to say hello to my guys. Nigel Rio Coker, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yourself, Ian? I'm doing great, thank you very much. Looking forward to the games today. Michael Hood, if you had a rest, are you ready to go this week? Yeah, I feel much better, and I feel even better looking at you, Ian. You look like my uh, therapist down the street with the glasses on, so thanks for bringing the calm to the show. If you need any help whatsoever, please never come to me because you'll end up in a worse state. James Benj, I know you were late today, but, you know, the, the fans out there on YouTube have waited patiently to hear what you've got to say. How are you been, buddy? Uh, I've been good. Yeah, sorry for keeping everyone waiting. Um, it's a day of high drama here in, in the UK, but I think we'll come to talk, well, talk about whatever games in England are actually happening, if any. We'll see. Yeah, it's pretty interesting breaking news. We'll get to it later on what's happening with Arsenal in Europa League, but there are some cracking matches to look forward to in the Champions League. And I think there are not many bigger than what's happening in Group C, Barcelona taking on oh, Bayern Munich. I mean, this is going to be an incredible game. Lewandowski's return, obviously. Bayern having this Bundesliga slump right now, three draws in a row. It seems, Nigel, that we're set up for a perfect affair. Lewandowski comes back and scores a hat-trick and takes all three points. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's a massive game. It's a great game. Look at the grin on your face. Hey, Mike, just be careful who you get advice on because you might just end up like them, okay? That's not a good therapist. Anyway, let's get back to it. It's a game that everyone's talking about. It's the game that football fans want to see. It's the return of the golden child. But for me, I'm going to look at a different angle of it, Ian. I think there's going to be a lot of players with a point to prove because it's two massive clubs, historic clubs in Champions League football, big in their own domestic leagues. And for Barcelona, you probably say they're kind of on a rebuilding process right now and it's looking kind of good and stable. While Bayern Munich, they're a bit inconsistent, but they have the talent, the individual talent and the players to turn it on. I think that this weekend results will play no kind of reflection on the game we're going to see. I think Bayern Munich are going to raise their standards, raise their game because it's Barcelona. As much as everyone's looking at Lewandowski, I think for me, what people are not realising as well is Saudi Mane has a point to prove. And again, for me, this is just my personal opinion. I believe Saudi Mane left Liverpool just because of the fact of he felt it was the Mo Salah show at Liverpool. I don't think he felt he got enough credit at Liverpool, enough love for what he contributes to that team and what he does. So obviously he's gone to Barcelona and he's definitely heard the talk about, oh, you know, you can't replace Lewandowski no matter who you bring in. He's gone in there and I feel he's going to have a point to prove as well as much as Lewandowski. And it's, fu it's funny because all the press and everything's all about Lewandowski scoring goals in La Liga. Mm -hmm. He's going back home. But I do believe Saudi Mane has a point to prove as well. He left that club to be the main man. 
he's going to want to show that he is the main man at Bayern Munich and that they don't miss Lewandowski and it's his terms and it's his team and he's got the ability and the strength to carry this team. So that's what I'm going to be more interested in. I really like that point. And I think one of the intriguing things about Mane is not just the goals that we know he brings, the goals and the assists, but what he does off the ball. And I've just been writing about this in a in a Liverpool context and you can see how much they miss that I mean, that conductor of the press is maybe the best way of putting it. Someone that really disrupts the team, you know, uh, disrupts the opposition in the most dangerous parts of the pitch. And I'm intrigued to see how much Bayern Munich can can do that against Barcelona. Because if you were kind of looking at a weakness in this Barcelona team, and I have to say, Ian, you were telling me last week that I was massive. Was it, was it last week? I think so. That I was mm-hmm. massively underplaying how good this Barcelona team were. And I think you're right. I'm not going to say this very often, but I was <laughs> wrong. Ian was right. This Barcelona team are really, really good. But the weakness, it's it's kind of in the fullbacks. It's maybe in defence. Mm. It's how well can they play out? How will they deal with the sort of pressure coming from Mane, Musiala, Muller, like a, a kind of unit that has just added one piece, but really knew how to exert pressure on their team. That to me kind of is, is where it gets fascinating because we do see a, a team that's, that knows who it is and that that's just kind of added pieces here and there with this Barcelona team of brilliant talent, but one that kind of still probably has to be tested in fire a bit more than, than Bayern have. With so much focus being put on the center forward position. I love that both of you talked about Mane because that's who a disgruntled player, a player who's not being talked about enough is him. And we know how he reacts when he's doubted. He's got a bit of fire to him, that African fire, the African punch that he gives. But I think this game is going to come down to the wide players. Both teams boast just talented world-class wingers. Uh, like Sané being one of them, he was the one that changed the game and won them that game in Italy against Inter Milan. And Usman Dembele, a player who cannot stop scoring or assisting and his work rate on both sides of the ball have improved. The fact that both teams provide the weak link for Bayern's back line, Jordi Alba, because he gets forward. Where does Jules Koundé play? Do they play him at center back, which we saw in the Champions League first game? Or do they play him at outside back, which we've seen in La Liga? I fully expect him to play outside back. He can play either side, left or right. And that matchup between he and Lira Sané is going to be massive. And just one of those heavyweight boxer sort of affairs. Whoever wins that matchup, their team will win the game or have the best chance of winning. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, you know, having Lewandowski as the big talking point takes a bit of pressure off Bayern Munich going into this game. And I, I did predict that Bayern would maybe struggle this year um, to, to get out of the group. And it's, it's mad to say that. It, I mean, it's ridiculous to say that because it's Bayern Munich and it's the Champions League and they should make it to the knockout stage with ease. They proved that against Inter Milan that they are still a dangerous side. The goals are kind of spread around the players around. Um, we, we know that they're a different side completely now without Lewandowski because you're no longer relying on the goals from him anymore which is in my opinion double figures easily in the Champions League every Champions League campaign I don't think Sadio Mane gets you double figures this year in the Champions League I think he's a different player completely Um, so they are going to share the goals around but I'm worried a bit about Thomas Muller he's frustrated his comments coming out recently that you know he wants to uh, recognize and let the players who have come into this football club that this is Bayern Munich draws are unacceptable they have drawn the last three in the Bundesliga 
They have not been playing well. They have not been taking their opportunities. It has been entertaining games as far as I'm concerned, watching them in the Bundesliga. Um, but I think this one's going to be a difficult one. I honestly believe that Barcelona, the way they're playing right now, how dangerous and dynamic they are. And I don't think the fullbacks, James, are as necessarily a problem as that a lot of people are talking about. Maybe if there's a weakness or a weaker part to what they have right now in their roster, it might be that fullback position. So I'll support you there. But I think they're better than we're all expecting. So this game's going to be a cracking game. Really looking forward to it. You all make very valid points about how the game ends up. Um, quick prediction on the game, Nigel, before we move on to the next one. I'm going to go for Bayern Munich win. I think that they've got a lot more threat. Go, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. Did I disturb you there? Did I just wake you up? <laughs> no, I, anyway, I, I literally just I'm I heard something about Bayern, Bayern and winning. Win. I just feel that they've got a lot more goal threat. And as we've seen without Lewandowski there, the goals are being spread along that team there. And I think that they're really going to be pumped or up for it. And uh, I'm going for a Bayern Munich win. Mike? I'm going for a Barcelona demolition. They have so Ooh. much to play for. They, they, they have a player who is not going to leave that stadium without humiliating his firmer and firmer. Remember how we got Lewandowski to Barcelona. You don't want to piss off the sleeping giant who was sleeping in the Rio Vallecano game in week one. He is awake from his slumber. It's going to be the revenge game in Munich and the whole stadium. We know how that stadium reacts when they when it's 60 minutes in and that first goal hasn't gone. I think Barcelona will dictate possession and Lewandowski is going to run a riot on that back line. Let me just interject again quickly, sorry, before James goes next. Ian, James, and I know Mike is very aware of this. I don't know why he doesn't think this. When you have a player that's played at a club for so long and you've got other colleagues and teammates that know you well, we are all creatures of habits. Trust me, the players there will be able to give a lot of info on Lewandowski, on his habits, on what he does, how he likes to do things. There's a lot of information on him there. It's not going to be as easy as you think it is. That's what players, sometimes I think fans fail to realise. We're creatures of habits in how you train. There's the moves that you make, the things that you do. We know each other well. Bayern Munich are going to be very aware of that. While for Barcelona, it's a new entity of a new front line with players that they've never come up against. That's my point. Sorry, James. I really like that because also, it, I mean, I know you're kind of talking about it in terms of, you know, football, the game. Obviously, you played so well, but I can't help but like think as well that all the staff at the Allianz Arena are going to be like, well, look, we know Robert Lewandowski likes his 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 pre-match drink to come at, at this time where he likes his towels laid out just this way. So what we're going to do this time is do it all to annoy him, but everything like one degree out of place just to wind up Lewandowski. I'm with, I'm with you though, Nigel. I think, um, I don't think this will be, uh, I, I could see this going anyway, but I kind of, a shade like Bayern Munich in this. I think they kind of know who they are and, and, you know, just chuck the Bundesliga stuff out the window. They're obviously just trying to make it fun for themselves so that they can, you know, win it in February rather than winning it in December. Oh, I love James. That's my James right there. James is telling the truth because we know Bayern is still going to win the league, even though Ian wants to keep on taking little digs at little glitches in the matrix system. But it's, it's, yep. it's Bayern's matrix. Yeah, listen, I um, absolutely want Bayern Munich to have success. I want them to have success. I want the Bundesliga clubs to have success, but I still fear, and I'm, I'm going to continue to say this, there's something not right at Bayern Munich right now, and I don't know exactly what it is. You can tell what's happening in the Bundesliga is unusual. Thomas Muller's clearly unhappy, and he's Mr. 
Bayern Munich. So he senses that there's something wrong inside that dressing room. Um, I think you all make fair predictions. I mean, Bayern Munich being at home, it's a big game for them. Obviously, Lewandowski's return. And Nigel, you'll remember these days, back in the lower leagues or back in uh, the championship in England when you played an away game and he used to give you flat balls as you went out for your warm-up. And, you know, on James's point right there, I can only imagine Lewandowski. I just wonder if he's going to get booed when he gets uh, he comes out onto the pitch in this I, game. I'm right? sure he will. They didn't yeah, like he will how he left, get booed. did they? Yeah. No, I think it's going to be mixed. I think it's going to be mixed. I think he's going to get a few boos, but I don't think it's going to be that many. I think a lot of people are going to appreciate and understand that what he did for the club, the service he provided, and it's time for him to move on. If he wants to move on, let him move on. But I think that any fan that boos him will be very stupid to do so. Yeah, that's Nigel Rio Coker, everyone calling out all you Germans out there and everyone around the world who's a Bayern Munich fan that is angry at Lewandowski. And why would we doubt him, right? Only the nine goals from the six games that he's played at Barcelona right now. I think he gets on the score sheet. I think it'll be a draw in the game. I think it'll be a score and draw. I can see a 2-2, which is not a good result, in my opinion, for Bayern Munich because it gives Inter Milan the opportunity to catch up a little bit. They play away to Victoria Pilsen. I would expect everyone is going to back me in thinking that they will be favorites in that game. Let's move on to Group. G on Wednesday, Manchester City taking on Borussia Dortmund. It is Erling Haaland against his former club in Dortmund. Uh, Haaland has not been struggling, James, right now to score the goals in Manchester. He seems to have really found a home. Is this his game to really grab by the scruff of the neck and take all three points for City too good? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of taking on board what, what Nigel's saying, but I suppose you have to kind of be able to stop Haaland and, and be able to stop City. And right now it doesn't look like there's a, a team in the world that could could slow this slow this machine down. I love how he's I love how he's kind of just fitted into the groove so easily. He is he's a, he's a lot more technical and a lot more varied than I think those of us who only observe from afar in England really appreciated. I mean he he he's got the lot. I think maybe the only cause for concern and I know it's something we'll come on to talk about uh over the next few minutes is is has the last week kind of disrupted City's rhythm because they, they are a team I think that actually really benefit from playing three get three days three a, a game every three days they just like point. rolling and you know that when because sometimes when they lose one game the next few games get a bit fiddly and I think they might have wished that they could have been playing at the weekend and they could keep the momentum going but I, I'm clutching at straws here I've got very little pretty much very little to say about these games as ever with City they are boringly excellent that's all I can say. But Haaland has at least given us something new to enjoy. Mike? I'm intrigued to see how Dortmund respond after getting humiliated in the Bundesliga. They're a team that has had injury woes. They rested a couple of people in the back line and really can't afford any slip-ups in terms of trying to build momentum. They're a team that's caught between two lines. Do we compete with a struggling Bayern in the Bundesliga or do we really make a run happens in Europe? Given that City is coming off not playing a game this weekend, I fully expect them to press them in the first 15, 20 minutes. That's what you do to test how a team responds when they've potentially lost their rhythm, when they haven't felt that that impulse of playing in a high-level game in a week. So for Dortmund, can you get that early goal? Can you put some doubt in City's mind? But oh, there, there's no doubt that these teams' ability to score goals when they have a player like Erlen Holland. What I like about him in this matchup is his movement between the two center backs. He no longer has to drop so deep. Pep, you can tell, has worked with him a lot on staying high, saying, hey, this isn't Dortmund. You don't have to come all the way to midfield to help in the buildup. We have Kevin De Bruyne. We have players that can come off the bench and impact the game. And mm -hmm. back to the Bayern point that I made, the quality of City's wingers, 
they no longer have to be the ones who are, are scoring goals. When they get into the final third, in the first half of games, you can see it's been coached in them. Pick your head up and serve balls in the box and then get for that second ball, that knockdown in the penalty area or at the top of the box for a shot. I fully expect the Kevin De Bruyne is the Phil Foden's, who is a player tipped and primed for an even better season this year to, to have a big impact on this game. Yeah, I'm with you both. I, I think that Manchester City too good as well. James, you make a fantastic point. Obviously, um, City do love to stay in their rhythm. City do love to continue to push. But with this schedule being different than anything we've ever seen before, I think they'll be relatively happy that they've got this little break to be able to refocus, get back on the training ground, maybe take a couple of days off before they then come back into action. So I think we'll see uh, a Manchester City that's hungry. And clearly we know this. City have got probably three separate starting 11s that could go out and get this job done against the Borussia Dortmund side. As Mike touched on, they were hammered. And I mean, absolutely hammered by Leipzig at the weekend. They were very poor. I want to tell you a couple of the players that are missing for Borussia Dortmund because they are they are missing a ton of players. And, and clearly it's unfair. That's what's happened to them with Sebastian Alea, obviously um, going through his chemotherapy that right accent. now. We, we, want, we want to wish him all the best. Sebastian too many games I've been doing, that's why. Uh, Bino Gittens is missing with a shoulder injury. Daoud is missing with a shoulder injury. Allaire going through his um, his recovery. Um, Kobel is missing, the goalkeeper, from uh, a tear in his muscle. We've got Lutka missing. We've got Moray missing. We've got Nico Schultz missing. I mean, they are missing time and time again, so many players. Nigel, I want to know what you and your son think about Manchester City in this game. We know you're busy. We know you got your hands full, but we're so happy to have you with us. And uh, introduce the little man to us before you let us know your thoughts on City Dortmund. Yeah, this is little Roman there making his debut on the show today. Just Lovely. Uh, waking up, say hello. Um, I think, you know what? Everyone's made some great valid points. And I think for me, one thing that, um, people haven't mentioned is this. I'm very scared of the bromance that's blossoming from understanding the football perspective between Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne because that bromance is truly blossoming. There's a great understanding. You can see that there's great connection there, not just on the training pitch, but they're taking it now into matches. It's like telepathic understanding and that's only going to get better and better. And they're one of the best, obviously, assist players in the world right now is Kevin De Bruyne. And the thing about Haaland is he is a goal poach. He's a natural goal scorer. And James made a fantastic point. He is a lot more technically gifted than people mm -hmm. realise. He's not just the old school fashion, big centre forward, strong, holds the ball up well, brings up play. He really is technically good with his feet and he's just a natural finisher. Again, with Dortmund, uh, Mike made a great point as well. It's a reaction. We're going to mm -hmm. wait to see how they're going to react in this. And to be fair... Of all teams you want to play, this is the last club you do want to face when you've just come from an absolute tonking. You don't want to face Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, no need to go around the horn here on our predictions. I think we're all pretty much guaranteeing that Manchester City should get three points here unless we see this immediate reaction from Borussia Dortmund after the humiliation against Leipzig this past weekend. I'm also not sure if Anthony Modeste is the answer, by the way, up front for Borussia Dortmund. Just going to say it right there. The old man struggling to score goals for Dortmund. He's no replacement for Holland. He's certainly no replacement for Sebastian. Allaire, that one's for you, James Bend, as well. So uh, great to see, Nigel. Before we move on to Group A, it's great to see this is what happens. This is a working life right now. We all have families. <laughs> we all have children. And you just got to get on with it. So I must say, a big part on the back to you as well just getting on you, you, you've got your kids around you there so it's not easy to do but I love to see this from you making it work making it work eh? good people as well so that's fine it's all good yep. fun
When you're working with good people, it uh, never seems like work. Let's move on to Group A. We've got Liverpool taking on uh, a fantastic Ajax side who had a terrific result against Glasgow Rangers in the opening match. Liverpool desperately needing big points in this one, Nigel. I mean, this is a huge game for Liverpool. It's a huge game for Jurgen Klopp. They've had a rest right now, um, obviously, after missing this weekend's Premier League action. So they should be fresh and ready to go. Are they going to see a reaction from the Reds against Ajax? Or do you think this is a tough one? They're going to need to show a reaction. But I think, uh, for me, there has to be a lot of soul-searching in Liverpool right now. I think that they've had the time to, this weekend with games not being on, has kind of helped them, where they can do a bit more of a deeper soul-searching to see what the issues and the problems are. I think, personally, for me, my opinion is this. I just look at this Liverpool side. I think missing Mane is one of the big things. Injuries hasn't helped. There hasn't really been an evolution in the cent- in the midfield role for Jurgen Klopp and his style of players. You look at Arthur, they just got in. Very similar mould to Henderson, Milner. His midfielders don't contribute enough to get goals. It's always been about the front three. That's Jurgen Klopp's coaching style and how he's always been and how he's always done his work. So for me, there has to be a bit of an evolution in that midfield area, but it will mess up the system and the style of how Jurgen Klopp likes to play. I don't know what you guys think, but for me, I look at Liverpool. You take about a year ago, two years ago, the intensity that they played in, it was marvellous to see. I don't see that same intensity. I don't think it's too much on the personnel that's missing. Mm-hmm. I just think the players are drained and tired. And I know for some people, they're like, oh, you know, they're footballers, they need to be fit. People don't understand, when you're working at that kind of intensity in the modern game, consistently for three or four years, it does take out on you. They don't look as sharp as they did two, three years ago. Right, are they, are they tired down. of Jurgen Klopp? Just sorry to interrupt you, but are they tired of mm. Jurgen Klopp? Well, are they tired I've, of the way he, he coaches? I've put that out there a few times. I've said it's the seven-year itch, and it's very similar to his time at Dortmund. It's that seven-year itch. And I think that if you don't rotate enough and do enough changes in that dressing room for new players who your message comes across to in a different manner to really arouse them to go and perform, it becomes a bit of white noise. So I think that does play a part. And again, if you want to put in comparison, you look at some of the players that Pep Guardiola has let go, where people have even raised an eyebrow at the fact, how do you let go of Raheem Sterling when mm-hmm. he's coming into his prime now? And you're, you're very comfortable to, because at times as a manager, you have to analyse the dressing room you're in, where if you want those players to perform at such a high level, maybe it's time for them to go. I suppose that the, the challenge is it, it both, I agree, it needs freshening up, but also the Liverpool system, it was just a machine that hummed. Mm. They were a team where you could name, unlike City, you could go down the list and name that 11. And that was the same 11, you know, Thiago came in and it was the same 11 for two years, the same strongest 11. And it that's kind of how things like their press, their off-ball work, it has to work because... You know, Liverpool players have to know that when Alexander-Arnold is caught high up the pitch, they know Henderson will drop in. And I think, like you say, it's kind of a mixture of so many factors. Henderson maybe doesn't have the legs to drop in. He's being asked to do different things on the ball because the strikers have changed. Um, I think if you if you gave Klopp a lot of time, it, it would get back to where it is. It, you know, it gave him the opportunity to freshen things up. But I do think it's not going to be very easy to solve these things overnight. I don't think there's a silver bullet for everything that, that's kind of a, ailing Liverpool right now, especially if this if this Van Dyke thing is more than a wobble, if it's mm-hmm. if it's more than just him being knackered, and we should say they played every game last season, and pretty much yeah. every game was must win. The mm-hmm. nature of being in the title race until two or three minutes before the final whistle. If Van Dyke's a problem, then 
everything else is because that whole defense worked because they had the best center back in the world. If they don't have that anymore. And also I have a question for you guys as, as people that played football, know what it's like coming back from injuries, especially an injury as big as the one Joe Gomez suffered. When you look at Gomez now, is he, can he get, is it just that he's, he's been injured and hasn't played football for a long time or is there something more to it? I'm really intrigued by that one because he's another one that if he's fallen off a cliff suddenly, you don't have this sort of defense that can that can hold hold firm at one end and let your attack do do stuff at the other end. And Mike, I don't know if you if you've got any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. We've talked so much about the attack. We've talked so much about the midfield and there's certain they'll definitely be soul searching and they better be searching for midfielders in the January transfer window. Fully expect that. Jurgen Klopp after the Napoli loss identifying Jude Bellingham. Identifying Bellingham as well on my FIFA ultimate team. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> let's be honest. The one thing that they don't talk enough about is their back line. And when I look at this back line, the amount of games, when you play games, when you've had injuries the season before, this Liverpool back line was decimated with injuries. They come back, they get the, and it allows them to make that surging run towards being minutes away from winning a Premier League title. Emotional exhaustion, emotional deflation. We've all been there in one way or another, whether it's jobs on the field. You can't, you can't that fatigues you then these players all have to go and play with their national teams and you have a shortened preseason because the world cup these players look mentally and physically exhausted and when you talk about joe Gomez, look at him and trent on that right side they are getting shredded and teams are identifying that side there's a massive gap between gomez and van dyke gomez and trent and and that is the biggest problem. Liverpool got to where they had seasons because they were good defensively. Yes, they could score goals, but they are at their best when they get back to defensive principles. They sit in their own half and then counter teams. I'd actually, if you're a Liverpool fan, I wonder if you'd actually prefer that to stop the bleeding. You know you have the quality to get match winners at the end of the day. And Mohamed Salamitz Firmino seems to have found some of his goal-scoring form. Nunez has goals in him. Now you need to get solid defensively because winning a 1-0 game is just as good as winning 6-5 or 5-4. For Liverpool, it just this is a make-or-break sort of game before this international window. I think it, it comes at a bad time for them. Roman, do you have anything to add? I mean, Nigel, do you have anything to add before we move on? Yeah, Roman, I have something to add. Um, no, good point. I think for me, when you look at all of that, what we're talking about, again, you do worry about Van Dijk's form. I think when you look at Liverpool from a tactical point of view, if you guys were managers, you would know Trent Alexander-Arnold is fantastic going forward, but questionable defensively. Most teams have always played down his side because of how much he pushes forward. Robinson on the opposite side is the better all-round defender, gets forward and gets back. But Trent Alexander-Arnold has that ability of a central midfielder with vision and quality given time. So what we used to see with Liverpool was Van Dijk was so good, so up for it, he used to cover that all the time. Now that he's having a bit of a Tory time himself, now we're seeing him get exposed a lot more, which means obviously, like James said, there is a problem and you are worried because Van Dyke is not being able to cover it as easily as he used to. But that's the double, that's the, that's what you've got to understand when you play in Liverpool tactically with Liverpool. They know Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't the best defensively, but what he brings to the team in the attacking sense, it's too much to not play him. He brings so much in the sense of creating goals, assists and helping the team to win. You're going to have to take his lapses defensively or his defensive 
inability at times because that's what comes with it. And I think the problem as well with Liverpool is the fact that they're attacking three isn't really scoring. I think we can all question the fact of when does Jurgen Klopp really look to the evolution of his style of playing with getting more creative midfielders who are going to score goals and contribute more. Thiago's a start, but you can still see they need to go a bit further in the sense to look at Manchester City, where we just talked about how they play and the abilities that they have there. Yeah, thanks everyone for your comments as well. Matt Osman saying that he just doesn't see Liverpool losing this one at home and uh, he knows that Ajax are a terrific side. They had another big win this past weekend, 5-0 over here in Vain. I have been super impressed with Ajax Amsterdam. I did not expect to see this type of performance from them after selling 200 million euros worth of players gone out the door. They just continue this rotation of players coming through their system. Uh, Mohamed Kourouz... Um, absolutely blew me away against Glasgow Rangers. He scored a double at the weekend as well. Simply sensational footballer. Um, one player to keep an eye on if you're watching around the European leagues. He is one that is just going to be well and truly up there when it comes to transfer rumors. I think Alfred Schroeder has got his job um, going well right now, but he certainly has his work cut out for him against Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, quick prediction from you, James Bench, before we move on. And then Nigel and then Mike. Yeah, I, I would go 3-2 Liverpool, kind of reflecting the fact that I don't mm. think this will be easy, but, mm, you know, sometimes Liverpool's luck will come good in front of goal. Oh, James, James, yeah. James. <laughs> I'm going 3-2 Ajax. Ooh. I love that. I love I'm that. I'm going Ajax, I'm telling you. I think yeah. that the, the, the misery is going to continue at Liverpool. I'm, I'm going to follow that up with a 2-1 Ajax win. I think the Anfield crowd, you'll never walk alone, can only last so long. And yes, maybe they get that early goal, but this Ajax team will be smelling blood in the water. They, their front three, they're ruthless. We saw it against Glasgow Rangers. Dusan Tadic has Premier League experience coming back in the fold. And, and just Kudus, a player, a young player who will want to test himself. And what I like about their ability with that front three, the movement, the movement mm -hmm. interchangeability between that front three, Bergvine will give speed and behind. Liverpool struggle with wingers that have pace and are so direct. We saw that against Cavada for, Na for Na I almost said Nashville. I wish Nashville hot fried chicken. It's a good thing. <laughs> Napoli, the Nashville of Italy. <laughs> um, no, for Napoli and Marcus Rashford's pace in behind with United. I, I really think that's going to be the difference. That direct play for my axe down the wings. I think you're both mad. I think Liverpool losing their first two games in the Champions League is something that we won't see. Uh, maybe you could see a draw in this game. I can give Ajax a lot of credit. I, I hear you and I, and I see you. I think they, they've done so well and they deserve the respect, our respect, and they're certainly getting it. But I think we'll see a Liverpool reaction this game. Um, I want to see a Liverpool reaction this game to make the, the group very interesting. Um, for all you out there listening or watching on, I did catch up with the, the great, the legendary Fabrizio Romano this morning. We talked a lot about Liverpool, transfer rumours. We talked about negotiations of contracts. We talked about players missed. Um, and we talked about the future for Liverpool Football Club. So please feel free to go to our YouTube page, subscribe. Make sure you like every single video on there, especially the ones that I'm involved in. And also make sure <laughs> you follow Fabrizio Romano because he is legendary when it comes to breaking news. Go back to the group, Group A. Um, you know, listen, James, I think when you, you see what's happening with Rangers-Napoli game being moved to Wednesday, first and foremost, I want to know your opinion um, if you think that's the right decision to move that game. 
But also, I'd like to get your opinion on the game for Napoli. They've started off terrifically well, blown us all away. Serie A doing well. Clearly, big win in the Champions League. Um, are they going to be too strong for Rangers? Or as you witnessed last year in Europe, Rangers, Ibrox, it's a different animal. It is a different animal, isn't it? I, I still think Napoli are going to be too strong. I mean, the way that that front line took Liverpool... I mean, we have to say Liverpool were bad, but they took them to the cleaners. And I, I think they will be, but, you know... As you said, Ian, Ibrox is a different kettle of fish. And maybe this is the, the game when we really discover, can Rangers be in the mix? You know, I, I think seeing Napoli do well makes it look a lot more difficult. As for sort of pushing the, the game back by a day, it it didn't it, it didn't really it didn't really have they didn't really have much much choice in the end. I mean, obviously we can come on to talk about this from an Arsenal perspective as well, but just the nature of arrangements around uh, the late Queen's funeral means that uh, and her procession through the United Kingdom means that there wasn't the police available. I mean, that's the same thing I'm hearing just now on Arsenal um, as well. Just kind of just taking a phone call just now to get the latest on that. Their game against PSV Eindhoven has been postponed. They're telling me that they will somehow try to find space in a fixture list where at the moment they're playing a game every three or four days. It looks like an impossibility. From what I'm hearing, they'll probably have to postpone one of their Premier League games between now and the World Cup, one of the midweek ones. Um, I mean, it's very hard to know what the right thing to do here is. I think it's pretty clear that the Premier League shouldn't have postponed last weekend's games because Chelsea versus Liverpool, I'm expecting to be postponed. Brentford against Arsenal, that's in doubt as well. Wow. This is, you know, this is strange and... I don't know. We None of us really know what the appropriate response to these things are, but what's very clear is you're going to have a lot of footballers in the, in the coming months whose hamstrings will not at all thank the uh, the FA and the Premier League for, for postponing last weekend's games. But in the end, the police means if you can't police these games, you can't really play them. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the best of the rest, real quickly, I don't need any comment from Nigel and Mike on this game. I just want a quick prediction on the score, please. Nigel, first. Napoli, 2-0. Mike. Napoli 3-0. Wow, nobody giving Rangers a chance. I'm going for Rangers to get a result in this game. I think Napoli mm. will find it difficult. No away fans. Let's not forget that as well. Going to be very, very hard. Plus, um, after Queen Elizabeth II's passing, I can only imagine that Ibrox is going to be loud and incredibly proud. Um, the best of the rest. Let's take a look at Group D. Sporting taking on Tottenham. Marseille taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. Sporting and Spurs both won on match day one. So it'll be who leads the group after that game. We're looking forward to seeing if Spurs can continue their fine form. And then Frankfurt heavily beaten and then lost again at the weekend versus Marseille, who had Alexis Sanchez on the score sheet once again. Fantastic side. This is going to be a tough one for Eintracht Frankfurt. So I think it's going to be Marseille, who look clear favourites in that one. Group B, Leverkusen against Atletico Madrid. Porto against Brugge. Both teams that won their game on match day one are away from home on match day two. This group could absolutely get it a little bit spicy. All right, let's take a quick break. But when we return, we'll take a look at Wednesday's delicious fixtures, including Chelsea with a new boss in charge. Oh, yeah, it's the Champions League. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? 
The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Every single time I see promos for the Champions League on CBS and Paramount Plus, I get excited because I know we're back. This is an unusual fixture schedule. It's crazy missing games right now in the UK for British clubs. But this is a crazy schedule because of the World Cup. Let's not forget that. But these games are coming thick and fast. Welcome back into the show, everybody. I'm Ian Joy with Nigel Rio Coker, Michael LaHood, and James Bench. We are looking ahead to the Champions League games on Wednesday. Let's start in Group E. Chelsea taking on Salzburg. We got a new boss in charge, Nigel. Graham Potter's in charge of his first game for Chelsea. How do you expect that one to play up? I actually have no idea whatsoever. <laughs> I know Graham Potter's a good manager. I can't sit here <laughs> and, and lie to the footballing fans. I actually have no idea how this is going to play out. We know what Graham Potter was about being at Brighton. This is a whole new different kettle of fish. This is a different calibre level of players he has to deal with, different egos. There's a lot going on still at Chelsea. There's quite a few things that I've heard that I still don't kind of agree with. I don't agree with ownership getting involved in the dressing room, going into the dressing room and having contact with players. I don't agree to that. I think that creates a bit of a problem for managers. And I'm sure that there's more James can add to that. Did but that honestly, never happen at West Ham, Nigel? Not you really, no. Not ownership, going, not, not direct contact into the, into the dressing room. If it goes through staff members, maybe it's a different story. But when owners are direct in contact with players... And not mm -hmm. doing it through the, the protocol of staff and, you know, different staff members saying different Yeah, it's opinions. kind of strange, right, Nigel? It's kind of strange that yeah. you would have an ownership being in the locker. Even even when you're a player and you're in the locker room, Mike, you'll know all about this well, and the owners yeah. walk in, it's a different vibe. The whole yeah. vibe of the locker room completely changes. Because players can read that and they can look at the manager and then look at the owner and you can read body language, whether the owner really is actually a fan of this manager or whether the manager has any power or the manager is just a little bit of a mm -hmm. yes man. These mm. things happen in football. It's a reality. I know some people probably might not talk about it, but I've seen it before and it does happen. So for me, I honestly have no idea how Graham Potter is going to be. I think that once we watch the game, that's where we're going to get a bit of a reflection on what he's going to start trying to do or the identity he's going to start trying to create at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. I think given Graham Potter's defensive record and how he started the season with Brighton, I think he'll bring those principles because Chelsea's back line and their, their midfield line look like a sieve. I mean, you, you could literally wear a fishnet and walk right through their entire team <laughs> for the goal. It's that easy right now. Graham Potter, he, he's going to try and build a team ethos around this team that looks like a bunch of individuals. The biggest relationship is can he get buy-in with his newest transfer that wasn't even his player? Thomas Tuchel's former guy, Aubameyang. I know we, we, we peppered him, actually. Not me. You peppered him, Nigel. I'm still butthurt about that, that you peppered him. The man that's been... In the London capital, or in the London capital, the English capital, again, for literally two weeks, this is a big game for him. He's back home. home. And a lot of pressure on Graham Potter. And to, to 
American ownership. It's just what American owners do. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if any of you watch NFL football. Jerry Jones is the coach. Todd Bowley is the real coach here. We'll when was the last time the Cowboys through. won anything? Let's keep it football. But when was the last time the Cowboys won anything? 20-something years ago. So that's exactly what happens when you let ownership get involved. My thing is this. I bet you James can add to this. So, James, I was very critical of Aubameyang in that game because I feel he had an opportunity to score a goal and be a killer instinct striker. But he tried to play too much laughy joking, tried to reverse the pass back to Sterling, which even Sterling was surprised. And mm -hmm. my criticism is this. Aubameyang, you are a top striker. Put it into the back of the net. Celebrate your goal. Because if it, Chelsea go 1-0 up, it's a different game we're looking at. And that is my criticism of him. You need to show and stop being too laughy and jokey, which was kind of the problem he had at Arsenal, where he did at, at times it seems like he doesn't take serious football, uh, football seriously. Mm -hmm. If I was his captain and he did that, and I know his character, trust me, I would have fired a rocket right up his derriere. <laughs> and that's my point. You need to be clinical because at the end of the game, it's a serious business. And from mm -hmm. him not being clinical, Chelsea lose and his manager gets sacked. You're going to make me sort of, coming on to that point, you're going to make me give away something. I was kind of holding in reserve for whenever no. Arsenal next play Chelsea. Ooh. But I'm going No to reserve there, there, mate. No reserves. Let it out. Um, it's very interesting when you, you, you mentioned that, that laughy and jokey side of Aubameyang. And I know when he left, obviously there were a lot of teammates that were very disappointed kind of to see him go to, to Barcelona. But actually that changed when the All or Nothing, to an extent that changed when the All or Nothing documentary came out. Mm -hmm. And they saw that laughy, jokey side and not necessarily taking things seriously when he'd been thrown out of the first team. And I think, well, I know from what I've, from people I've spoken to, that there was an awful lot of frustration that it felt like Aubameyang didn't really take that at all seriously. And his teammates... You know, it was difficult. He put his teammates in a really difficult position, and it was all a bit of a joke to him. I mean, I, I get that against Dinamo Zagreb, part of me he just want to show, look, I can be a team player to you, Raheem, and I can be, I can help you out, Kai. But as you say, like they've not signed Abamyang to be the the team player. They've signed him to be the twenty five goal a season striker, and he needs to start proving that. I don't know how well he fits in to Graham Potter's system because. Um, Graham Potter's been using players like kind of Neil Mope and, and Danny Welbeck, who are very good at what they do, but they are not paid £350,000 a week to do that. They are not superstars who turn up in Lamborghinis and, and have a have a, have a, an aura to them. And Aubameyang does. And there are other players at Chelsea that are just like that. And Potter has to prove he can manage that. I love him. I think he's a good technical fit. He'll play the same sort of defensive possession that, that Tuchel did. But is he, you know, can he manage superstars? You, James, you guys will know that's very different. That's why you're my guy. I know exactly what you're saying. That's why you're my guy, <laughs> James. Thank you. So you actually backed me up in my point where Mike and Ian were kind of, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm being a bit too harsh. No, because as players, you can see that. And I know you know it as well, Mike. And Ian, definitely you know that. You can read about players' personalities. And for me, mm. It's a bit too laughy-jokey. If he was on my team, he'll wind me up. And I think the other players should be able to, say, put it into the back of the net. But the problem you're going to have is when a player is on that much money, just come back from Barcelona, played at Arsenal, you question his appetite, which is another thing that we still question now. But now he's got a new manager. Graham Potter has to try and get him on side. And that's going to be difficult because it's not he's signing, which goes again to the roller coaster of being able to look back at ownership if this doesn't go right because of the decisions they've made and the crazy transfer market that Chelsea mm -hmm. have been criticised for having because of 
the players that they've recruited. Yeah, you guys all make valid points. And, and I, th I have to give James Benj a lot of credit for his prediction of the Dinamo Zagreb result because he called it right from mm. the start. And I think I said 2-1. I did it as well. Wow. Uh, Nigel, no, nobody remembers. Um, <laughs> 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 let me tell you, uh, when I was speaking to Fabrizio Romano, he um, opened up some really interesting points about Todd Bowley and the um, appointment of Graham Potter, how that deal came about, how early that connection between the two had actually taken place and why pretty much Graham Potter was given the job at the end. So please make sure you go and watch that one on our YouTube page, or you can also listen to it on the podcast with Fabrizio Romano. Um, just real quickly before we move on to the other game in this group, uh, a quick prediction, James, I'll let you go first seen as you got Chelsea right the last time. Uh, I think Chelsea will edge this one, 2-1. No, actually I don't. I think it's going to be a draw, 2-2. 1-1. Two, two. <laughs> Some draw. <laughs> <laughs> nine nine six 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 high five six ten. Mike, <laughs> I think Chelsea win this one. I say two one win. Nigel, yeah, I'm gonna go Chelsea three nil. Chelsea 3 0. I'm going to go for 2 0. Chelsea, I think you see a reaction. Graham Potter's first game in charge, and we would expect to be a top performance. And just to wind you both up here, Abanya gets on the score sheet in this game as well. AC Milan looking to take on Dinamo Zagreb. Obviously, the other game in this group, Milan with the one point after their draw against Salzburg, taking on Dinamo Zagreb, who have three points right now. They're away from home against AC Milan. Um, Milan obviously looking for their first win, but could Zagreb spring a surprise and remain? top of the group at the end of this day real quickly Nigel we'll come to you quick on this one I think it was a great performance against Chelsea but for me Milan are a complete different opposition you know they're, they're a club that looks a lot more stable in the structure of what they're doing and what they're building and I feel that Milan just have that quality and a different kind of threat you know Giroud's been on fantastic form and I think that he will get goals there so I'm going to go for a Milan win Mike I'm sticking with that they will have learned from watching Chelsea's lethargic performance against Zagreb and not underestimate this team. The fact that Rafael Leal does not have to worry about a match in Syria, he will go all out. And when he goes all out, good things happen for Milan. I say 2-0 Milan win. Yeah, I think maybe Dinamo have, have kind of jumped the gun a bit and maybe it's best to build your way up to shock status. And I, I think maybe the rest of this competition might be a bit tough for them. So I'm going to go 2-0 uh, Milan. I'm going to agree with you. I think Milan get the job done. Maybe that's my heart talking over my head. However, if Dinano Zagreb treat this one like a cup final and they bring the same spirit and appetite, it could make this game very interesting because Milan are a little suspect at times defensively. They do con concede goals. Um, obviously, they rely heavily on what they've got going forward as well. And they're dangerous. Uh, Olivier Giroud in great form right now. I know that pleases James Benj a lot. Oh, yes. Well, let's move on to Group E, uh, Group F, sorry, uh, Real Madrid taking on Leipzig. Now, Leipzig, uh, new man in charge after Domenico Tedesco got fired following their terrible performance and result against Shakhtar Donetsk at home in Group F. They now travel to Real Madrid Mar with Marco Rosa on the bench. There's no Karim Benzema, but Real Madrid looked pretty hot at the weekend. Uh, Michael, I know you're, uh, you're pretty hot on what Real Madrid are doing right now. I love the youngsters, and it's youngsters who are taking control of the team. Brazilians, that is. Vinicius and Rodrigo. Rodrigo playing like Karim Benzema. Run for a beautiful goal in La Liga. And, and that's yesterday I, I said that I had a lot of energy in my system. It was watching the highlights of that goal over and over in the shelter that I was sitting in doing the show. 
But when I look at this Madrid team, it's time for the youngsters to take that next step in the Champions League. And it comes against a, a team in Leipzig that they're going to be full of confidence. After that 3-0 win against Borussia Dortmund, the way they did it, it's not going to be as easy of a game. But once that first goal goes big, I think you'll see a bit of doubt. Emil Forsberg was immense for Leipzig in that Dortmund win, setting yep. up goal. And I wonder if the young midfielders, Kamavinga, if he gets a start, Chamonix seems to have settled in. If they can make their imprint on this game, Madrid go and, and win pretty comfortably. Nigel? Yeah, I think that Real Madrid for me right now, I've been uh, very impressed. Again, we, we spoke about it before, about the recruitment, the balance they've got between young and experience. They've got some of the best young players, in my opinion, in world football there. And just to add to what Mike said, again, for me, I'm a big fan of character. And what I saw and what I'm seeing from Vinicius Jr., the fact that he's embracing that there's no Benzema, I'm the man, I'm the star guy, I love it. I absolutely love it from such a young player. He's really just saying, right, this is my team. Let let it let me take control of this. And I think that goes a long way. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say for me, Real Madrid are very looking very good. Yeah, same. I, I thought it was fantastic the way that they weathered the storm against Celtic. And it was a real storm. And then kind of when the chance came, and this is what happens when you have this blend of youth and, and experience, they just killed it. They killed the game off. They knew the Modric's in that team knew when it was, and then the youngsters had the quality. I'm really excited to see Eden Hazard as well. I know he wasn't great at the weekend, but um, as the sort of false nine that's going to succeed Benzema, I don't think anyone had his career going in that direction when he arrived, but he'd made a good fist of it against Celtic. And um, I think maybe one of the great stories of this season could be a bit of a revival for Hazard, who's, whose career seemed over. So I, I hope it goes well for him. Um, and that's saying something because... As, a, as an Arsenal supporter, I was delighted when he left the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that Real Madrid looked very hot this past weekend. I think we're all pretty excited about their performance and there's no doubt about it. Um, Nigel, you touch upon a great point there. You need leaders to step up when uh, clearly leaders are missing at times for Real Madrid. And Vinicius Jr., the way he was waving the support at the weekend, I mean, that was a terrific win over Mallorca. It was a comeback win against Mallorca as well. So this was a, a great response from them. Um, and to your point, James, as well, Eden, Hazard, I believe he was taken off after the hour mark. Hopefully he's okay, ready to rock and roll for the Champions League because that's where he deserves to play. Let's hope we see the best once again of Eden Hazard. Let's hope he's back 100% healthy and they get the job done against Leipzig. It won't be easy. Leipzig, after a big victory, new boss in charge. I thought Dominic Zubzalai was terrific at the weekend. If he can stay healthy... He's a real key player for what Leipzig are trying to do. I think, uh, Michael, we touched upon this partnership between Timo Werner and Christopher Nkunku. That needs to get better if they're to have any chance of having success in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League, especially when you go to places like Real Madrid. The partnership needs to be everything. Nkunku was frustrated because Timo Werner apparently doesn't lift his head up to look at any player that's around him. Just went for goal every single time, and that kind of annoyed me when you have a good option. Go ahead, Nigel. Did you just say apparently doesn't lift his head up? Did you see him at Chelsea? <laughs> <laughs> it's not apparently there. He, he, he doesn't look doesn't sideways either because he's he always never, offside. Yeah, it's, it's just head down and run with it. Let's just go. But again, yeah. let's be real, Ian. There could be an element of jealousy and egos there. That's what we've got to be honest with mm. football fans. You know, this is Nkuku's team since Werner's left. And now he's yep. coming in again. He might want to try and... Um, get his reputation back to where it is. So there could be a bit of selfish element there. And for me, when you kind of see that happening in one game as a manager or a coach, you've got to sit them both down and let them know 
when you're both successful, we're successful. You need to leave all of that kind of uh, school ground, childish stuff out of this football club. Mm-hmm. Nigel, give me your prediction on that game, please. Oh, gosh. Go with me last. <laughs> I want to see what you predict. I can put it in my accumulator. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Say a 3-1 Madrid win. I, I think that that one-two punch of Werner and Nkunku, they will cause troubles on the counter. With the, I mean, they're rapid in their pace mm-hmm. and transition. I think in the end, Madrid just will outlast them, and the goals will come in the second half and come in the latter stages. James? Yeah, 2-0 Madrid. Nigel, coming back to you. Why see? I love how Ian always goes last because he, he kind of puts what we're putting together and then he just makes his own. <laughs> All right, I'm going 3 0 Real Madrid. That's what happened when I'm driving the bus, right? I get to turn whatever direction I want to go in here. I'm going for a draw in this game because I'm very much drinking the Bundesliga Kool Aid. I think you'll see Leipzig get a couple of goals in this game. If Real Madrid score three or four, they'll win this game, no doubt about it. But I think we'll see Leipzig get a couple. I, I really believe that. Defensively, I don't think they can stop Real Madrid, but I, I can see maybe a, a score and draw in this game higher than a 1 1. So I, I'm going to go for a 2 2 draw. Let's hope that's the case. Uh, real quickly on prediction from Shakhtar against Celtic. The game's been played in Warsaw, Poland. Um, Celtic, obviously, trying to get up to scratch in the Champions League after being beaten at home by Real Madrid. Good first half performance. Uh, Shakhtar convinced a victory against Leipzig. They are at home, away from home. Obviously, the match being played in Poland. Um, James, I'll start with you. Shakhtar, Celtic, all I need is a result. Uh, Let's say 2-2. Nigel. I'm going to go 2-1 Celtic. If they can match that performance that they put in against Real Madrid and then be a bit more clinical, 2-1 Celtic. Mike. I'm going 3-1 Shakhtar. This is a good young team. They're unified. That sense of playing for something bigger than yourself, Celtic being away from home, that'll come back to bite Celtic in the back bum. I go Shakhtar 3-1. Yeah, but you're forgetting that Shakhtar also playing away from home in this game, Michael. Lewis. I'm speaking never with away from home. Are these not the Celtic faithful? <laughs> they never yeah, away you from saw, home. But you saw, you see it with the Ukrainian national team. They didn't make the World Cup, but they have something that bonds this group together in ways that that, that that's that's special and yeah. to go and have that behind your sales even though you're playing away from home i think that's an x factor yeah that is an x factor however i'm going to speak with my heart on this one i'm going for a celtic victory to surprise the whole group here i'm going for celtic and Ange postacoglu and i know james you saw the news this morning that brighton were apparently interested in Ange postacoglu he's done a phenomenal job and he's going to want to make sure they get their first points it could be a draw but I'm going to go for a Celtic upset. I think Celtic get the job done. Let's have a Ian, look at the best I went with the you, rest. Right? Go on, I Nigel. Celtic. I said Celtic, Ian. I'm with you as well. Okay, I'll support you. Thank you very much, Nigel. And Roman, I appreciate that support. Uh, let's have a look at the best of the rest of the action on Wednesday. Copenhagen against Sevilla. I mean, pretty much a, a big game right there. It's the best of the rest in Group G, possibly fighting now for a Europa League slot. Juventus against Benfica. Allegri under pressure at Juve. Uh, he needs a win, I think, after this crazy game at the weekend. Um, this is a cup final for both of these teams, obviously trying to see who finishes second in Group H behind PSG, who are away to Maccabi. Haifa is a chance for PSG to notch some big time goals, see if they can uh, kind of push the stats up to uh, the stratosphere in this group. Um, it's going to be an interesting one, but of course, we're very much looking forward to what happens in Group H. PSG remain one of my favorites to have success in this competition. Uh, final thoughts before we go. Roman, I'm going to leave the final thought to you before we go. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, he just said, <laughs> thanks. Thank you for having me. He's made his debut. He said one day he'll be playing in the Champions League as well, but he'll definitely be playing for Arsenal. He said no. 
Well, let, let, let's just hope he's better than his Definitely father. That's for sure. Be playing James. Oh, <laughs> I'm done with him. James, what do you got to add here? Obviously, it's been a crazy week. You've dealt with a lot. You've been working tremendously hard this past week, and you're still dealing with what's happening with the fixtures. Yeah, it's all very strange, isn't it? Um, I don't know why, but a tweet from Paddington really set me off. And I'm a Republican. Um, really weird week. Um, but I mean, I'm going to do what anyone would do in this and and decompress by doing some quite boring stuff like watching Juventus's absolutely turgid game against Benfica. I, I'm looking forward to seeing... Well, I'm, I'm expecting to see Max Allegri get sacked quite soon because they mm. are rubbish. Ooh, I'm with you on that there one. You go, James. Who's going to replace him? before? Thomas you go, Tuchel. Who? <laughs> it's got to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Happen, good man. point. Good yeah, point. but you're forgetting there's a number of good coaches who are still available right now, including a former player from Juventus. Uh, seem to remember Michael Hood. What you got before we go? Final thoughts. I'm excited to see how the English clubs react and uh, the British clubs really to the passing of the Queen. Matches being postponed. And you still have to get it done in the Champions League. We saw a couple of slow starts from Manchester United, uh, which I'm not going to talk about. Uh, the, the, it's going to be better for my headache that's pending if I uh, <laughs> think about talking about them. But it has a big impact on your flow and the momentum you build from league play to the Champions League. So I'm keeping an eye on that because that could be a massive storyline moving right. forward. Yeah, I've got my eyes on all the fixtures for the British teams after taking this rest this past weekend. Interested to see what happens at Chelsea with the new boss in charge. Interested to see what happens with Leipzig at Real Madrid. Uh, Liverpool obviously got a big game against Ajax. There's so many games. We, we've just rattled through the most of them there. Um, a big thank you to Nigel Rio Coker, Michael LaHood and James Bench for joining me. A huge thank you to Roman as well for making his debut on the show. We appreciate your input. And thank you so much to everyone out there who's been listening to K Golat. So please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available on video. Yeah, unfortunately for Nigel, we're available <laughs> on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and visit youtube.com. See you next time, everyone. Enjoy all the games. Thank you so much to the boys. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the matches. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.